uh, I want you to open your Bibles and um, how about opening your Bibles to the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel chapter 1. And we're going to do it old school today because I'm going to need you to read um, in your own Bibles uh, today so that uh, we can progress and stay together as we go through this particular message this morning. In the book of Daniel chapter 1, Daniel chapter 1. Now, as you're looking uh, in your Bible at the book of Daniel chapter 1, one of the things I wanted to do is to just share with you about the story of, of Daniel. Because the story of Daniel, it was a, he's a young boy who was taken from his homeland and he was taken to a foreign land to serve a foreign king. And Daniel never expected to end up in Babylon. He never expected that as he lived in Jerusalem. One of the things that we know when we look at the, the book of Daniel is we know Daniel's background. And uh, we can tell from reading this story that Daniel was a handsome man. Uh, he was a man from a high social status. Daniel was quick to understand and he was qualified to serve the king. And uh, what we recognize also is that if Daniel would have still been in his homeland, that Daniel would have lived a pretty incredible life. His future would have been predictable. He would have gone to a great school. He would have lived in an incredible home, and Daniel would have been raised by a wonderful family, and he would, be, he would serve, have served in a prominent place in the temple. And he was going to do great things for God in the place where he was born. But his life did not turn out like he planned. He never expected to end up in Babylon. And, and God had made a promise to his people through Abraham. And he had said to them that I will bring you into a land. And, 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 my, and your people will be my people. And I will give you this promised land. And I will make you a blessing and you will be a blessing to the world. And the promise had sustained the people of God for centuries. But now Daniel is a little boy and Nebuchadnezzar the king has come in and he has taken Daniel from his homeland and brought him to a foreign land. And he grows up as an adult and he spent his life in a foreign land serving a foreign king. You know what's interesting about Daniel as well? Daniel had an interesting name because Daniel's name uh, meant that God will judge. Or it also meant that God will set things right. And so whenever Daniel would hear his name, Daniel would be reminded that when things did not turn out like he planned, whenever they called his name, he would be reminded that God will set things right. But now he's in a foreign land and he's lost his culture, he's lost his land, he's lost his relationships, and now he loses his name. The question really comes up is, what happens and what should you do when you live in a place or your life does not turn out like you planned? What do you do when you find yourself in Babylon, cut off from the life that you wanted? And you may ask yourself, God, how did you let this happen? You may ask yourself, does God notice me? Or has he forgotten his promise to me? In the book of Daniel, chapter 6, go to Daniel 6, 
verse 3. Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. It says it like this in a very interesting way. Daniel 6, chapter 3. Are you there? Daniel 6, chapter 3. The Bible tells us clearly that um, Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. The king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Now, what I want to do is I want to go back before we actually go forward because we talked about kingdom class and we said that there is a standard in the kingdom of God and that standard is excellence. And a standard is not something that you're trying to live up to, but it's what you refuse to live below. And because excellence represents different things to different people, for the purpose of the Champion Center, we are using this definition of excellence as to consistently go beyond what is common, usual, or expected. To consistently go beyond what is common, what is usual, and what is expected. And that represents excellence. And why should we pursue excellence? Well, we have looked over these past several weeks that Excellence brings pleasure to God. In Psalm 16.3, the Bible tells us that God delights when you operate in excellence. And, and that word delight means captivated. So when God sees you doing things in excellence, he's captivated by what you do. The second thing that we saw is that that's excellence is how God wants us to worship him. Because in Malachi chapter 1, verse 11 to 3, he says that I want you to bring me your best. And do you know what's amazing about that is God is not asking you to compare yourself to other people. He's not asking us to compare ourselves to other churches. God is not asking you to be the best. He's asking you to do your best. And if you do your best, then you please him and he's captivated by your excellence. And then the third reason that we saw of why uh, we should operate in excellence is because excellence benefits you. Would you say excellence, excellence. Benefits, benefits me? me. Now, uh, you know what we looked at is that we looked at several things that it, what excellence will do for you. Excellence will cause you to be promoted. Excellence will cause you to stand out. Excellence will cause you to succeed. Excellence will even cause you to be criticized. People will say it doesn't take all of that. Excellence will cause you to be criticized. And people will say that it doesn't take all of that, but it, it's the small things that, be, that, that causes excellence to become visible. So excellence will cause you to be promoted. Excellence will cause you to stand out. Excellence will cause you to succeed. Excellence will cause you to be in demand. Excellence will cause you to be admired. And excellence will cause you to be favored. I don't know about you, but I love the favor of God. I'd rather have the favor of God than the favor of man. Because if you've got the favor of God and you've lost the favor of man, you can get the favor of man back again. So, so uh, uh, how many of you want to be favored? How many of you want to be admired? How many of you want your gifting to be in demand? How many of you want to succeed in life? How many of you want to stand out? 
And how many of you want to live at a level beyond where you are right now and be promoted in life? The Bible says excellence is what is required for those things to happen. And what we recognize then is that Daniel distinguished himself above the governors because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king says, I'm going to put him over my entire kingdom. The Bible tells us that your gift shall make room for you and will bring you before great men. Do you know you're supposed to be known by your gift? So we recognize then what excellence will do. Daniel, Daniel was promoted. He stood out. He was in demand. He was admired. He was even criticized. Daniel was a, a favorite. And, but, but you know, the, the, the enemy does not want you to be promoted. He doesn't want you to have favor. He doesn't want you to succeed. The enemy doesn't want you to be in demand, and he doesn't want you to be admired. So what does he do? He sends enemies to excellence. And on last week, we talked about the enemies of excellence, and we said that the, the first enemy of excellence is a lack of commitment. The second enemy of excellence is a lack of accountability. And the third enemy of excellence is a lack of a sense of urgency. So it requires commitment. You know, when, when the people first started following Jesus, Jesus did not require a commitment at all from them. He just says, follow me, follow me. And then the more they followed him, he then now starts telling them, you got to give up your life to get your life. He started requiring a greater level of commitment from them the more they followed him. So it's commitment. Accountability is the second thing. And we're going to talk about the difference between accountability and responsibility. Uh, because many times we think it's the same, but the accountability is not the same as responsibility. But then there's a sense of urgency. Why is a sense of urgency so important? Now, you recall that when you re read the, book, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the story of Daniel in Daniel chapter 1, the Bible says that Daniel in Daniel chapter 1, he, he made a decision. He says, I'm going to distinguish myself. He says, I'm going to purpose in my heart. I'm going to resolve. But then uh, the, uh, the king's man was a little concerned that his decision would affect his career. And he says to Daniel, Daniel, I don't know if I could do that. Daniel says, now, I'm going I'm to give you a time frame. There's a, there's a deadline to this thing. Why do we have deadlines? Deadlines are put in place to get you to act. The reason you have a, 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 a deadline for your mortgage, the reason you have a deadline for your power, utility bill, utility, utilities, your electric and your gas, the reason you have a, a, a deadline to your uh, credit cards, so it will get you to act. And if you do not act with a sense of urgency by the deadline, you find yourself one moment in the light, but another moment in the dark. Why? It's because you did not respect the... So excellence. So Daniel says, give me 10 days. Deadline. Give me 10 days. And you begin to look at me. And the Bible says that at the end of that 10 days, they found them 10 times better. Every day they got better and better and better and better. Now, it's interesting, though, because if you look at this, in Daniel chapter 1, are you there shouting, uh-huh? I'm going to uh, uh, look at this in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. It says, I love the way the NIV says it. It says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, what's interesting to me 
is that Daniel lived as a, st a standard of excellence. And there are three things that we find here that what Daniel had as we look at this story in the beginning. Daniel had faith in God. Daniel had faith in God. Daniel was committed to action. And Daniel was accountable for his actions. He had faith in God. He was committed to act. And he was accountable for his actions. And so the Bible says he resolved uh, not to defile himself of the royal food. Now, that, uh, that's an interesting deal because what kind of young man can have such self-will that he will not partake, be tempted by the delicacies of a king, by the menu of a king, by the food of a king? What an amazing discipline. What an amazing discipline. See, because there, there are, are times, you know, last week, last Sunday, during the week last week, uh, I was, I was bought, brought a Bunt's cake. And if, you, if you've never had a Bunt's cake before, it's addictive. You don't want to have one. <laughs> but but I, I got this Bunt's cake. It was a little small uh, Bunt's cake. And so on last Sunday when we left church, I had that taste in my mouth. And I said, oh, I'm going to go and get me a Bunt's cake. And Gwen looked at me and she said that, it's closed on Sundays. <laughs> that didn't stop me. Because I said, right, we got to find something open that's close. So you know what I did? I went to Gigi's Cupcakes. Got me a cupcake and acted like it was a bunch cake. But it wasn't. But it was good. I could not resist the temptation of what I had already tasted. And so what young man could resist, you know, every day, all day long, he's, he's, he's eating the delicacies of a king. But the Bible says he resolved himself. You know what that word resolve means? It means to decide firmly on a course of action. He firmly decided on a course of action, and he decided, look, I am not going to be tempted by that temptation. And let's be honest. Isn't it difficult to resist temptation? Somebody said no. And I'm going to tell you, I believe you lying. There are some things you might be able to resist, but temptation as a whole, and I'll give you a perfect example. Um, somebody brings donuts into the office and you resolve, I'm not going to have a donut. But it sits there on that table and you resist for two hours, but by the third hour... Or you know you shouldn't be eating ribs as much as you eat them. You know you shouldn't eat crackling. But you can't help it because you know crackling is good. Especially that crackling from Louisiana. Off of I-10. On your way to Baton Rouge. Hey! Boy, that's the biggest amen I got all day long. But, but I want you to notice what the Bible says. He resolved himself. So there are temptations, but, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, 
1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. So notice this. You have an ability to resist temptation. And it's, it's, but but, 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 but the, the temptation that is overtaking you is not uncommon. So when we talk about excellence, we go beyond what is common, what is usual, and what is expected. So this temptation uh, is not uh, common. Now, now let, me just, let me just say this to you. Why is it so challenging? What, what was da- uh, Daniel, how did he have success? And how was he able to resist the delicacies of the king? And you know, I began to think about that, and I began to think about it's an unequal battle between your present self and your future self. See, your present self is visible right now, and uh, your future self is invisible. Your present self is powerful, and, and, and it's in power right now. But your future self is, is around the corner. It's somewhere in the future. And so there's nobody to stick up for your future self. But your present self, it has a voice, it has a mind, it, it, it has an emotion, and it can talk you out of your future dream or your future self. And so you're, there's this unequal battle that's taking place between your present self and your future self. And so these battles are being fought right now, but the Bible says that God will not cause you to be tempted beyond your own ability. And what is he saying? He says that if we have self-discipline, self-discipline, to make a commitment, to be accountable for our commitment, and to uh, have a sense of urgency to fulfill that commitment, that we'll be able to overcome that temptation. Let me give you a couple of things right here. We said earlier, Daniel had faith in God. Daniel was committed to action. The third thing that we said, that Daniel was willing to be accountable for his actions. Now go to the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at this very quickly. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read this together. Because if Daniel had faith in God, what we need to look at is that what does faith produce? What does faith do? Faith in God, committed to action, and accountable for his actions. So that's what God wants you to have faith in him. God wants you to be committed to action. And he wants you to be accountable for your actions. Remember he says that every person has to give an account one day. And so if we have to give an account one day, then accountability every day can cause us to be pleased with our accountability one day. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's see what faith does. Verse 3, let's read it loudly together now. By faith we, stop right there. So notice what faith does. Faith causes you to understand. Faith causes me to understand. Hebrews 11.4, let's read that together now. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Stop right there. Faith causes you, what it does, it produces or causes you to offer excellence. Faith causes you to be excellent. So faith causes you to understand. Faith causes you to become or be excellent. 
Look at this. Verse 7. Let's read it together. Now, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. Stop right there. Faith builds. Faith understands. Faith causes excellence. Faith builds. And let's look down to the 20th verse. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20. Let's read that like we know it is the word of his power. Now, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning... Notice what faith does. Faith blesses. So faith causes you to understand. Faith causes you to operate in excellence. Faith causes you to build. Faith blesses. Now, if faith does all of those things, then what, notice what James says, James in, in, in chapter 2, he says it like this, faith without work is dead. In other words, faith without action is dead. So notice this, that when there is no action, what faith produces is dead. Or it does not manifest itself in your life. So where there is no action, there is no blessing. Where there is no action, there is no building. Where there is no action, there is no excellence. And where there is no action, there is no understanding. My God. And so if faith produces understanding, excellence, it causes us to build. It, 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 it blesses then shouldn't we, as Daniel did, have faith in God, be committed to action, and be accountable for our actions? Because let me ask you this. How many of you want to be blessed by God? Say that's me. That's me. My God. How many of you want God to build your life? Would you shout, that's me? That's me. How many of you want to be favored, promoted, stand out, in demand, admired? Would you shout, that's me? That's me. That's what faith does. Faith produces excellence. So Daniel had faith in God, and his faith causes, caused him to act. Caused him to act. Caused him to act. Now, so he had faith in God, and that faith caused him to be committed to action. But this is the key. This is so important. He was accountable for his actions. He was accountable for his actions. You know, one of the challenges that we have today is throughout the, the world... It's lack of accountability. We have a lot of excuses, a lot of reasoning, but there is a significant lack of accountability. And so it's important then that we understand the difference between accountability versus <coughs> responsibility. Because many people say that, you know, accountability and responsibility, they're really about the same thing. But well, people say responsibility is really like accountability. But let me just kind of help you with that. And I'm going to do that by giving you this example. When we... Um, when we want something done, let's just say that we hire someone to be responsible for something. We hire people and we give them responsibility. And so in their job description, that it is a detailed list of what they are responsible for. So we hire people to be responsible in their job description. And so let me give you an example of that. If I was hired to, to clean this room, in my job description... There would be clean the stage, vacuum the floor, and make sure the chairs are all clean. 
So when my boss comes in, he's going to look down that job description of the things that I'm responsible for, or she, and will say, hmm, the floor's vacuum. The chairs are straight. The stage is clean. Great job. You've met your responsibility. But what happens one day I come in and, 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 I, and I, I clear the stage, and when I plug in the vacuum, a fuse blows. And when the fuse blow, I can no longer vacuum. Now, is it in my job description to replace the fuse? So what happens then when my boss comes in and he says, this place isn't clean. And he goes down the list. The, the chairs aren't straight. The stage is not clean. The floor is not vacuum. What's going on? Look, it's not my job to replace the fuse because I'm not responsible on my job description to replace fuses. But what is a person who is accountable? What will they do when they plug the vacuum in and the fuse blows? They're going to they're call the custodian. They're going to call the janitor. Uh, they're going to figure out what they need to do. They're going to get a broom and sweep the floor. If they have to get down on their knees and pick up the paper and the dirt with their hands, they'll do that. Why? It's because they are accountable. But the amazing thing about accountability is no one can make you be accountable. Why? It's because accountability is having a responsibility to your actions. Being responsible for your actions. That's accountability. And no one can make you responsible for your actions. Only you can make yourself responsible. So accountability is really about personal accountability. And no one can make you accountable. Only you can be responsible for your own actions. And so when we look at that and we say, what's the difference between accountability and responsibility? The difference is, is that accountable, accountable people recognize it's a personal choice. And an accountable person recognizes that I have the obligation to answer for my action. Not to make an excuse, not to have a lot of reasoning, but to answer the obligation to answer for what I did not do or what I did. So Daniel was in this place. And as he was in this place, we recognize that he was a man who had faith in God. And because his faith in God, he was committed to action. Because he was committed to action, he was accountable for his actions. And what did it do? He operated. Everybody saw his faith, saw his commitment, and saw his accountability. And they recognized it as excellence. And because he operated at the standard of excellence, Daniel was promoted. He stood out. He succeeded. He was in demand. He was admired. And he was favored. When we operate at a level of excellence... That's what God does for us. He promotes you. He causes you to stand out. He causes you to be in demand. He causes you to succeed. He causes you to be admired. And he causes you to have favor.